I'm Mitchell Vandenberg. And I'm David Scarlatescu. And welcome to Back to the Scene. A home for movie lovers that want to stay up to date on all things entertainment. Whether you're a super fan or a casual fan, we got you covered. We talk about a wide range of topics, including film, TV shows, and all things relevant to movie pop culture. So sit back, grab some popcorn, because we're about to get back to the scene. Welcome back to this special episode of Back to the Scene, where we review Avatar The Way of Water. Uh, This is going to be a spoiler-rich, like extremely, extremely spoiler-rich uh, episode. So if you've not watched Avatar The Way of Water, please shut this off right now. Go watch it and then you can come back and unless you don't care, listen to this or watch it unless you don't care and you just want basically us to read the screenplay for you because it's basically what we're going to do. Um, we're going to read the screenplay. What character are you going to play? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no screenplay. But yes, if you don't want spoilers, please exit out of this uh, episode of Back to the Scene and uh, go watch it and then come back. Without further ado, uh, Mitchell, should we just get into basically before we kind of run through it? What did you think overall? Like, what would you, what would you rate this Avatar? Basically, how would you rate it? Uh, I would give it a thumbs up. Just one? Well, okay, two thumbs up. <laughs> no, it was good. I, I actually think, apart from you getting motion sick from the yeah, uh, sure. Should we just explain that real quick? Or? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> For the record, I don't usually get motion sickness during movies at all. Like I go to the movies a lot, and only he a couple, does. He goes a, a lot. Times a few times life, a month, <laughs> I get motion sickness. It's very rare. But anyway, this movie is three hours and ten minutes long. I started feeling a little bit queasy around like hour and a half. That soon, hey? Yeah, wow. hour and a half in. It's usually like there wasn't like a whole lot of crazy like shaky motions or anything like that. But for whatever reason, I started feeling a little queasy. I'm like, you know what? Sorry, stomach. You're going to have to deal with it. So I just had to be a good little trooper and sit through the whole movie. And then like at the climax of the film, it started going away and I didn't notice it anymore. I'm like, okay, good. And then literally two minutes before the movie ends, I look at my watch and then I start going like, I'm like trying not to throw up. What part was the worst for you? Can you remember specifically which part you were like, oh God, I don't, I don't think I'm going to be able to, I don't think I'm going to be able to to make make it it through this scene. Uh, it It was, um, right after the final battle and it's like actually it's like when he's like connecting to the tree and looking at his son in a flashback oh right there i was like about to throw up yeah yeah that's and i was like i was like it's the movie's over ending wrapping everything up i look at my watch i'm like okay three hours and 10 minutes plus the previews i calculated we had two minutes left i was right but like (laughs) it's like come on keep it down so i've been down i've been asked by a lot of people i've been asked by a lot of people and I don't know how to answer this. Was it better than the first one? I don't know. I don't know either. I, I genuinely do not know how to answer that. Most movies, I can very, very clearly say yes or no. And this one, I just don't know. And I was hoping that I wasn't alone in that and that you also were feeling the same way. Now I kind of, well, thinking about it now, I feel that the first one has a better pace to it. Because I feel like this one, in the middle, it kind of like sl- like it's a slower pace, and it feels like we're spending a lot of time in um, learning the water tribe's ways. Which I mean, like it's important, but we spend a lot of time just looking at stuff underwater. I but that was spectacular. It was spectacular, it was but spectacular. like it just felt like it slowed down the pace for me a little. Yeah, bit. to to a degree, I think. You know what's weird? I don't want to. I don't want this to come out wrong, but I feel like you could empathize more with the sky people 
in a weird way you could empathize more with them in the first one than you can in this one. In this one, they are just like straight villainous scum, all yeah. of them. And in the f- previous one, you're like, well, I mean, like humans are doing what they can. They're trying to live cohesively. They're not trying to attack the natives, but the natives are mad that they're taking over their land kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So like, it's a bit of a catch 22. Cause you're like, I mean, I understand where the humans are coming from, but I also understand the Navi that they're upset, obviously that these aliens have come down and are destroying their land and their sacred ways. But I think there was a way to almost like live cohesively, or at least that was the goal. And now it's basically like, humans are there sky people are there it's like eradicate everything else and they're gonna take over the planet is basically the goal yeah well yeah they want to earth's dying and they need to live they need a place to live yeah and a great place to do that apparently is a place where they can't breathe I the air. like that, i don't yeah. understand how unless that it's like because i mean let's be honest like in reality it is kind of hard to find a planet that has like that's sustainable of life regardless that's like true. with enough like water and like that's able true. to like grow vegetation and all that so i guess like I mean, technology's clearly come far enough that they can figure out the air thing. If everyone's yeah. got to wear masks or whatever. Well, it they is. plus they can have like they can live indoors and yeah. uh, have um, their whatever pressurized air, you know, rooms where you can actually breathe in. So yeah, but let's head straight into the like kind of full breakdown as well. I guess this isn't just a review; it's more of a breakdown scientific well. study of avatar yeah we'll, we'll we'll break down exactly what's happening and we'll kind of review our thoughts throughout the throughout the process so basically this movie kicks off uh in what other way than basically explaining the sky people are gone it kind of picks up exactly where the last one finished and it's telling you obviously sky people are gone um are the sky people gone david <laughs> did i say that like you four times or something like three yeah times okay okay well the sky people are gone and it's showing kind of the piece of the navi and what's left and 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 what they've been doing with that and apparently jake sully and natiri's way of uh moving on from the battle and and what happened in in the previous movie is to pop out a bunch of children um so it just shows them popping out kids like there's no tomorrow basically <laughs> Um, I was, I was, I was, I was thinking that you weren't going to go that way, but you know, <laughs> so, I guess there's a worse way to say that, but anyway, yeah, yeah I guess that's fair. A family. So they celebrated, uh, from that perspective, they made a family. They felt like there was, it was worth bringing people in. Also, it kind of touches base on how, uh, Grace, the doctor that passed away when they tried to take her human form and put her into an avatar. Um, she somehow miraculously had a conception of a child. It was like an immaculate conception, I guess. They don't explain anything, but there is a there is an avatar human hybrid. Yeah, I thought I kind of got like the vibe that like they made her from her DNA kind of thing, but I don't know. Who did though? The uh, humans? No, no, because she was her avatar. So what happened? Her avatar body was pregnant. Somehow, I see. Okay, so we don't know how it happened, but it's a out popped a basically a grace well like they did keep looks like they did keep the body alive because it's in the tank they did they did yeah and then so somehow a child is conceived and that child is named kiri and we're introduced to kiri's character which i thought was pretty cool and if i have prediction i think it is uh, just an immaculate conception of awa because later in the movie it kind of foreshadows that grace is with her daughter kiri 
all the time because grace has like become one with Awa and all of the nature, which is why Kiri can has such an innate connection with nature. You can tell that she's a little bit different from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So really thought that was cool. So next moving on, um, we the have spaceships? this new spider kid oh, okay. too. Yes. We're trying to introduce some character development here. So okay. we have this new spider kid too, right? His name's spider. Um, but they also say his name was actually Miles, which is the same name as the Colonel, the bad guy in the or the antagonist in the previous movie, we should say. And uh, really interesting because they say obviously he stuck around because they couldn't cryo freeze children, children. Mm-hmm. when they sent all the sky people back. So now we've got what everyone's assuming is Colonel's little son running around. And that's obviously later confirmed in the movie because he's got the same name and it's very clear that it it is the Colonel's son. So he is a good guy, but he's also like the seed of the bad guy. So it's, it's a bit of an interesting character arc, which I thought was really, uh, really cool. What did you think of that character so far? Honestly, he was very likable. Yeah. Cause like for whatever reason, like when you first see him, he's like, Oh, he's going to be kind of like, uh, I don't know, like you picture him like like a Tarzan that's not able to like speak or anything like that. Yeah. But like, I mean, actually really quick, I really like how they do the way of like transitioning it to English. Yes. Because like in some movies, you know, it's just all subtitles, but like, cause there's so much speaking in this native tongue or would be yep. in a different language. You have to do it in English. It's true. Everyone's speaking in English, like even the kids mm-hmm. and everything. So no, you're right. I do, I do really like that as well. At the same time, they, they do throw in the native tongue, obviously, mm-hmm. because it's, it's, a, it's an important aspect. Yeah. But. Like when you, when it's from the human's point of view, listening to it, yep. it's in the Navi language, but like, we're like where we're Jake's narrating at the beginning and he's seeing the two kids argue and it's in the Navi tongue. And then he says, it's almost like English in my head. And then it just swaps to English. Yep. And then the way it, you go. It, perfect. it basically like immediately says to him, like, establishes that hey we're gonna watch this movie in english but it's actually happening in navi tongue when you're yeah. thinking about it the thing is like too like if it's all in different language it's really would be really hard for the actors to like convey that emotion true in a different language that they're not Accurate. familiar with and the entire film for like the audience slash on the characters like i mean you can watch foreign films but usually that's actors speaking in their own native language or language that they understand true. and can convey those emotions yep it's just it's just a better viewing experience oh 100 no i think i think a lot of uh documentaries and different things have shown that that it's obviously way better way to go but all this joy and new character development is very short-lived because within the first few minutes of the movie the sky people are back and they're back with a vengeance now uh they brought in like a bunch of ships not just one and they are clearly colonizing this planet and that's where we're kind of introduced to the fact that okay they're coming for real now and there is a war that the navi just cannot win like they're in hiding and they're kind of taking down their supply chains and trying to steal some of their supplies and their weapons and then you're clearly introduced to the fact that hey look the sky people they're here to colonize this planet and to actually like you said earlier find a new earth Mm-hmm. Also, like I really like the way how they brought back the uh, antagonist from the first movie. Yes, so it made it made made perfect sense. The big jaw dropper right in the beginning is you have an avatar waking up, and it looks Navi, but it also looks like the Colonel. And we immediately find out that the Colonel and his entire Marine team 
had their memories backed up. And I really liked that sequence that they did with kind of the colonel watching a video of his former self that his memories of this avatar are like backed up to the ex- exposition of it. Yeah. I thought that was really, really cool. I felt just a tiny bit. The dialogue was a little like on the nose, but the, at the same time, you kind of had to, to explain to the audience, like, cause it's like a, such a high concept sci-fi thing. Mm-hmm. You have to give that kind of exposition. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I, th- I thought it was, I thought it was really well done and it, it really conveyed his like cocky nature of like, I'm not going to die, but this is the backup just in case. And then you kind of get that little like humorous moment. Cause you're like, well, you did die <laughs> yep. pretty aggressively actually. Um, so yeah. And then obviously they explain that the memories are backed up and then, um, sorry, I'm just going through my notes here. So we obviously hear that the earth is dying. The, we talked about the supply chains. Yep. Um, I thought a really cool scene was actually when the colonel gets there and he gets debriefed by the general and then he decides immediately he's like okay well we gotta we gotta go out there because apparently all of the human missions are being intercepted by the animals of pandora because they know that the sky people are bad so they send in the colonel and his team because they're going to be confused as navi and won't be attacked well that's the colonel's theory it completely gets uh, basically confirmed and I really like the scene where he goes back to the place where he died oh yeah because great. he doesn't remember how he died but he's like putting together the pieces mm-hmm. and it's really really interesting to watch that whole setup and it, then also that sequence also leads into another great sequence where he kidnaps the kids yes so the kids are obviously like a little bit rambunctious and so curious too like i mean at that age you're just like oh what's going on and i'm not realizing how dangerous it is true and then we have that scene where they're intercepting the train and so i'll I'll bring out the i'll break out the names so that we can use them now but basically jake has four kids so jake and natiri so they now have grace's daughter kiri they also have a little young one took which is a girl uh, very, very young, like supposedly what would eight, you seven? Yeah, I would say seven or eight easy. And then a young boy, Loak, probably, I would say 14, maybe 15. Yeah. Would you say mid teens, mid teens, definitely in his rebellious adolescent years, clearly. And then he's got, I, I hope I don't butcher this, uh, <laughs> Nateam, which is the oldest son, which is clearly in late like, teens, late teens. I would say, yeah, maybe it's a little older. Who knows? Yeah. It's hard to Eight, tell because to like they're CGI characters. Yeah. No, it, it is. It is tough to tell. It <laughs> but is then again, in real life, anyone between the age of 15 and 25 is also kind of hard to tell. Yeah. Yeah. So Nateam being the older brother is like kind of looking after Loak, obviously the younger brother, but Loak just always wants to get into trouble, like stealing, going down and stealing the weapons when they're supposed to just be flying around um, and doing recon. And then it kind of just foreshadows that clearly there's some kind of rambunctious nature where Loak just loves to get into trouble and his brother will follow him to the end of the earth for that trouble to make sure that he's safe. And then the brother will, the older brother, Nateam, will take the blame for it. So... Like you said, they get kidnapped in the scene where the colonel is, and again, like just down to the. Actually, the older brother wasn't there though. He like, wasn't there for that one because he was with the parents, right? That's right. He was That's with, right. He was with Jake. So Loak went with Kiri and and uh, and Took and Spider, and, Spider. Yeah. and they were, and you kind of get like a little bit of 
almost romantic vibes between Kiri and Spider, which is really I interesting. Was, I was thinking that too. Yeah. yeah. I got you get that. You get those little romantic vibes, which is interesting, obviously, because Spider's like a human and he's a fraction of the size of this giant avatar. Um, but yeah. they're about the same age. Yeah. I was also thinking, I mean, like, the thing is, like, the avatars, they have, like, partial human da- DNA in them too. So yes. they're... Hybrids. They got, like, yeah. Hybrids, yeah. And then... No, that scene was really interesting because you, you could feel that it was going to happen and then they obviously show up at the site. They call it in correctly to to their dad to like come help them and everything like that. And then that whole scene where the colonel picks up his own skull and like crushes it and everything. Well, it's not really his own skull, but the skull of that his memories are backed up. It's a complicated it's concept. His, technically, it's, it's clone, or, or he is a clone of he's the a clone. Correct, is essentially yeah. what it is. That's a that's a good way to make it really easy to to think about. So then, naturally, you're not expecting the kids to just get away from this one. So they get caught, and the colonel is euphoric because their entire goal of bringing the colonel and his Marine Corps team back. And this is why I mean the antagonists are not relatable in this and you cannot really empathize with them because their entire goal of being back is to kill Jake Sully. They don't yep. care about anything else. Their goal is kill Jake Sully and we'll kidnap his kids, we'll hurt his kids, we'll do anything that it takes to kill Jake Sully. There is, there is uh, some, I do actually feel a little bit of sympathy and emotional connection to the colonel later in the movie. There's moments. I know, it's- and it it kills me. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. There's a little bit of it. Cause like in the first movie, you can't feel, I don't, I don't feel like for the Colonel specifically, not for the no. humans, but the Colonel in the first one, you don't really, he's an absolute jerk. No, you're like, you're but like, I one, want Jake to kill him. And now yeah. there's this, a tiny little bit with the relationship with his son, which is we'll great, talk later. which is great, great writing, but absolutely terrible that I feel that way. It I know, but the thing is, it's, it is the right thing to do because it like, is. It adds more depth to his character. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So this then leads into a great scene that I really like because it, it kind of shows the badass nature of Jake Sully and Neytiri and how they still got it. Terrific sequence. Honestly, they like still the, got it. I love, okay, I really like nighttime sequences and it's like in the forest, gunfire is going off. I love like the contrast between the modern kind of human warfare versus like the jungle well uh, said well said and then it really like weapons and it really shows that they're in their element they're in their space basically and they have full control of the situation so they get all their kids back but as they're leaving spider slips and falls directly into the colonel's hands of course Mm -hmm. and spider gets kidnapped and taken back and then you're like, shit, they got everyone. But like, if you think about it, Neytiri and Jake Sully, they're sad. But at the same time, they're like, they have their flesh and blood. Like they have their kids. So they, not, they know he's, they're probably not going to kill him. Because they know that human. they're probably not going to kill him. If it was a Na'vi, it'd probably be a little more. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> now the, the concern here, though, that I found so interesting is you get a little bit of a battle inside because you realize is Jake actually sad about Spider or is he just worried because he knows inevitably Spider is going to give up their location? And I think it's the latter. And it's kind of, it's tough because they're in a situation where they're like, shit, they're not going to kill him, but they are going to find out exactly where the rest of our clan basically is. And they're going to come straight here because he knows immediately right at the beginning that all they want is him. Yeah. So then that obviously 
He's a, lot, the, he's a lot wiser in this movie. He is. You can tell he's a lot wiser, but he also like he thinks things through way more. He's he's way more calculated as opposed to just being reactionary and wanting to just go to battle. He's trying to do everything he can to put prevent like an all-out war also when you think about it too like i mean there's a huge time like at least like 17 or 16 years yeah at least minimum so, like minimum and he's been like the leader or with materia of the like whatever their clan i can't think of a better name for it is it do they classify as clans they're a clan yeah, yeah the clan yeah they're, they're, they're the, the clan. forest clan so like right? he has a lot of responsibility a, a lot so a like lot. after 17 years of being in charge you'd think you would yeah grow as a person into that role and 100 you know, percent no and then and then i really like obviously they do the sequence where they're interrogating spider with some weird like device to try and get him to basically whatever he can think whatever he thinks of they will see it which is a wild and interesting concept and then you have the how do you fight that you, you don't i don't know but he, he did it somehow i like how they call them maybe like it's feral not, too right they're like yeah. oh he appears to be feral you're like shit that's yeah, just like Actually, I was going to say, it's kind of like in Ghostbusters, but you haven't seen it. But like where there's a very similar to Ghostbusters, how the machine works, like goes of the Gozerian is like whatever mental image pops in your head first. That's what takes on that. Oh, it takes on the form. Destroy you. Well, that's, that's kind of like Harry Potter. The, um, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What are they called? Uh, Bogart. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Bogart. So Mm -hmm. it takes on whatever form you're afraid of. But anyways, so. I really like that scene then because the colonel stops the damage that they're doing because it's clearly like hurting his brain and like not very pleasant experience to go through. It almost looks like a fast moving like MRI machine that's just going really freaking fast like all around his head. Like I can't imagine that would be very comforting and it it probably has a lot of like radiation that it's emitting so it probably doesn't feel very nice. So the colonel steps in he's like basically tries to appeal to the to the human side of him and try and make that connection. You can tell that he knows it's his son now and he's trying to make it known to Spider that he's a clone of his father, more or less. Yeah. Um and then in full in full like almost video game fashion. I remember playing Horizon Forbidden West. You play the the first like 10% of the game and then there's like a huge scene where you basically like you actually go off through the Forbidden West. So and that that's is, what I felt like this next part was. This is technically, if we're in terms of screenplay, yes. this, we're at the end of Act 1. Act the 1. The enticing incident has happened and now we have hit the call to action, which is Jake saying, we got to protect our family and leave. And yep. we enter the new world, which is Act 2, and that they're going to go leave and to another clan yep. far away. And they got to they gotta get out there. So they've, they've, they've basically... Uh, assigned a new clan chief and they've set it up so that nobody will come after their clan and the people that they care about and that they're they will hopefully flee and try and find a place where their family will be safe and then you get this whole scene where they're flying through which is really pretty and they get to the which i thought was absolutely spectacular this like caribbean kind of landscape and it looks almost like a vacation like pretty good way oh yeah pretty good place to flee like, it's also like hard to think it's like oh yeah this is like pretty much entirely cgi this entire movie i know <laughs> it, it's just <laughs> wild insane. and like there's a little t- well i guess maybe we could talk about it later when we talk about the water sequence but like the water the visual effects simulation for those that don't do visual effects water simulation is one of the most difficult things to replicate and it's so good it's it like, is perfect like it doesn't, need, it doesn't they get like when they get out of water yeah. like if they're just like, walking onto land or like climbing on a ship getting out of water like the way the water falls and drips off their body or just like the wetness i guess like there's still like when you get out of water you're still wet so there's like little uh 
remains of water still on you and like how that reflects with the light because there's a lot of like at the end there's a lot of fire and refractions and re- of light everywhere and how that bounces off the water on the skin it's insane it, it's insane the, the way that they the way that they did this is bonkers because i thought video game cutscenes in 4k 120 frames per second were insane and this is just it it, Very, it makes it makes them look real. like it makes them look like a Nintendo sixty four. It's insane. Like it's it's real. It's like you're there. Um, so I really like this next scene where they like where they actually show up at the Water Clan and everything. Just gonna check on the the Did notes here as well. No, I think we're I think we're good. Um, we're just like at the end oh of the first right because spider spider like spider leads spider leads the colonel. Um, He's like basically making fun of him that he doesn't know the ways of the Navi. Mm. So it kind of shows while Jake and his family are fleeing, the colonel is learning the ways of the Navi, which means like riding those. I, I cannot remember what those dragon things are called for the life of me. Actually, it's kind of a perfect contrast because like at the same time, Jake and his family are learning the ways of the water clan. Yes. As so it's just kind of like both the villains and the protagonists are training almost. Yeah. And they're, and they're, they're having like their, their montage sequence. No, you're right. And very like, long montage sequence. Yeah. But still. So when they show up to the water clan, what I found was very interesting. You clearly see that the water clan people are like, they're different, but they're the same. They're the same race, but they're, they got, they're, they're, they're humans. They're, they're human. It, it'd be like, sorry, they're not humans. It'd be like, it's race basically is how it is right yeah so like we have different ethnicities and it's the same for them they're a species they're the same species that's the word they're the same species but a different race i would say it's like the thing is with them they they're like their bodies are like they're slightly built different it's kind of more i would say more like animals yeah and it was so much it's like bears because like polar bears are more uh adapted to like uh, Arctic climate as opposed yeah. to like a black bear. Yeah, it's, it's natural selection has clearly changed their bodies so that their tails are bigger and flatter so that they can actually use their tails to swim. Their forearms have these like fins almost on them, so mm-hmm. they're giant. Their arm, like their upper arms and shoulders are way more developed because instead of being quick and agile and nimble like the forest people, they have to be strong so they can swim mm-hmm. really fast. And then you see this different build to them basically and you see you see Jake Sully's family and they look like twigs. Oh yeah. <laughs> and it's such an interesting concept because they look so different and they're looked at well, as like weird and outcast. Also think about it like in the first movie when you look at the Navi compared to humans, you're like, oh man, don't want to mess with these. And then yeah. when you see like the people, the Navi from the first movie compared to the water Navi. Insane. It's just like, oh, I wouldn't want to be a normal not like it's, a it's forest like, navi. Yeah, it's like it's like watching one of those. It's like watching uh like a volleyball player compared to a bodybuilder. It's insane. Or mm. I guess a volleyball player compared to a swimmer. I mean, <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But basically definitely a contrast in body shapes and reluctantly, um, Ronal, I believe is Kate Winslet's character. That is the, 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 the queen. water clan queen mm. Ronal. Yeah. And then Tonawari is the water clan leader. And basically Tonawari has no problem with bringing the family in, but Ronal is very, very reluctant. Um, so She's pregnant. She's clearly going to bring another child into the world. I think they already have three, though, right? They have a daughter and two sons. Yeah, I know they have one son for sure. I don't know if the other one was You don't know if the other one was a son or just a friend? Uh, yeah, I could be okay. I'm for sure the son and daughter. They for sure, for sure have two, two kids, and they have one more on the way. But she's very reluctant. But reluctantly, they obviously let them in. And then you, you have one of my favorite lines in the movie, which is... <laughs> 
teach them teach them our ways and allow them to learn so that they do not bear the shame of being useless. <laughs> I was like I was like what a line. Yeah, <laughs> there's not great. a lot of humor really in this movie but there's that. there's That's lines funny. like that that kind of relieve the pressure a bit. So then yes, like you said there's the whole training montage of them learning learning how to ride the like I don't know, sea dragons. <laughs> How do you call these animals? Yeah, I don't know. It feels like, it's, well, it is all in a different language, so it's kind of hard yeah. to remember everything, all well, the names there's, of everything. There's like the regular sea dragons that the, the kids are mostly riding, and then there's the battle sea dragons, which yep. are more like Jake crocodile pterodactyl crosses, so they can like swim, but they can also... And then, yes, of course, Jake being Jake, he tries to... I mean take down the uh he didn't the do hardest thing that first. bad of a no he job. did a great job i, yeah, I like the confidence off, but i mean like you only i mean he was able to fly up quickly and dive immediately yep that's pretty good for a first try yep and then so then there's clearly some tension there's there's a love romance clearly brewing between um the the daughter of the water clan so renal and uh tonawari's daughter basically and loak the youngest son of jake sully so there's clearly some kind of romance brewing she's very patient with them kiri we're also seeing again that she has some deeper connection to awa which is like the gaia or the god of of the uh, navi basically all of nature is basically awa so she has some kind of connection because everything is responding to her and she can just like she's just one with it it feels like now it's like ant-man Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> but with all living things around you. Yes. <laughs> Instead of a bunch of ants. But no, that's, that's, a good, uh, that's a good description, actually. So, yeah, so she's practicing, like, kind of controlling with it and everything. And then the kids of the Water Clan, the boys, are clearly... There's, there's some jealousy brewing and some, you know, just, just some tension between them and the, and the uh, Jake Sully children. And now that I think about it, maybe the, both of the boys are their sons. Cause I'm thinking like for whatever reason, like when I saw that my mind was kind of go, Oh, they're obviously going to be fighting with the same girl kind of thing. Yeah. But there wasn't that at all. Yeah. No. And, and I well, think I mean, it'd be kind of gross. Cause I mean, they're brother and sister. So. Yeah. I guess that's, I guess that's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that explains it. Yeah. Um, but the other, the other, whatever water boy, like there's obviously the, the, the clan leader's kid, but I don't know. What was the purpose of the other boys basically just filling out the background? I guess so. I don't know. Cause I mean, you got, you got you have, have, that, you have that fight scene, yeah. right? So like Loak obviously can't keep his mouth shut. So, you know, uh, Kiri gets called a freak by the water clan kids. And then there's kind of a yeah. fright fight brewing between the forestry clan kids and the water clan kids. And they, another bit of humor. <laughs> yes. Yeah. How do the other guys look? That yes. was such a good line. Good. <laughs> yeah. So basically, after after the fight happens, you it was it wasn't fair. It was like four on two, yeah. but somehow the Jake Sully's kids really got some good hits in. And well, after also, they get in trouble, I mean, Jake Sully is probably top him on a fight pretty well. Oh, a hundred percent. There's actually one thing that is very unique about Jake Sully. Not only he's a great soldier from like for like the humans, but also he's a great. I guess warrior. He's a great Navi, Navi warrior. So he's he's total Makto, right? He's best of both. So like he's got, yeah, the best. He's a legend. Fight, fighting for both races. So it's mm-hmm. yeah, best of both worlds. So no. if anything, that's like probably one of the best warriors and and a great right? person, obviously. Yeah. Teach teach your children, right? So, but at the same time, you can see. So Jake's 
obviously upset that his kids are causing trouble and creating tension between them and the water clan because they're supposed to be living there peacefully. But he can't help himself in that moment asking. <laughs> he he asks the older son. Uh, I forgot his name already. I know. Again. he. The older son isn't, as probably out of all the kids, is in the movie the least. Yeah, I would say so. Nateam. Nateam. So he asks Nateam, the older son, after Loak leaves, so the younger son leaves, he just pulls him aside quickly and he says, how do the other guys look? And he says, worse. He says, good. <laughs> so you can see he's, he's proud of his kids on some level that they got into a fight and they got they did some damage, but probably only 20% of him is happy. The rest is like, yeah, yeah don't cause trouble anymore. And then we obviously get the scene where... Um, where Loak gets pulled aside by the Water Clan boys, and they're like, "Let's go hunt like real men out in the open sea, away from the reefs." And you can tell that this is some kind of ploy to get him out and in trouble. And you don't realize the extent of it until it's happening. So they basically they tell him to go dive down and kill a fish, and then by the time he comes back up, they're dead. They're they're gone. <laughs> they're they're dead. <laughs> yeah, um, that worked out bad for them. No, they're they're gone. They're they they ditched him, and then of course. It's you have by some massive thing. Yeah, some massive fish is now coming, and there's technically like, like I mean, that's kind of attempted murder when you think about it. hundred <laughs> percent, it is. That's like that's a really bad prank. <laughs> like that's a really really bad prank. I mean, they just left him, and we're like, like oh, how, how let's hope he, he survives. Like, I mean, human teenagers do plenty of reckless things, but it's like I don't think it's very common. It's like, hey, you know, it's a great prank. Let's get this person most likely killed. Yeah. <laughs> Because, I mean, they know what's out there. Yeah. They know what's out there. So then you get, um, then you get him like running through. And when you think all hope is lost, because he finally, he's starting to run out of air and he's going back up to the surface because he's been hiding in the reefs and the fish went away, the big fish, but he has to go back up for air now. And when he's going back up for air, the fish comes back for him and it's about to get him. And then all of a sudden you get a little bit of a bigger fish situation. There's always a bigger fish out there. And this giant, giant animal comes out of nowhere and just absolutely kills this fish and seemingly saves Loak. Um, we find out after that that is basically the most sacred and the the leaders of the water, basically the, the top of the food chain the Tulkan, which is like giant whales, basically, but they call them Tulkan. And we find out after that this is Payakan, which is the outcast whale that's been outcasted from the herd of whales because... You're still going to call them whales now? What? Oh, sorry, yeah. Outcasted from the Tulkan because... Whale is a little easier to say. Yeah. The Tulkan way is not to kill, and Payakan apparently did some killing. We don't know what or how at this point, but we find out later. Um, now Loak creates some kind of connection and bond with Payakan. He starts being able to talk to him and communicate with him and, and, and find out more things. And then later, I like the, I like the scene where all of the, the Tulkun come back and you can see the sacred bond between the Tulkun and the water clan people. They all go up to their own Tulkun and they, they talk to them when they're back. Clearly they're back after years. It hasn't been very, mm. very recent. And you almost see this like sadness in Loak because he's sad that basically Paya Khan, the Tulkun that he likes is outcasted basically from it. And, and he feels almost like an outcast himself. And that kind of shows in that nature. Oh, we didn't talk about how the, the, uh, 
uh, Loak when he got when he was found finally and survived that he was getting in trouble, but the water clan leader's son was getting in trouble and Loak decides, Oh, good idea would be for me to just take the blame for the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And that was a really a turning point because it really showed his maturity and that he took the high road. And I really like that about his character as well. Mm-hmm. Cause you're kind of watching him go from it's a like rambunctious what his brother teenager. Did, Cause yeah. his brother would always take the blame. Exactly. Yeah. Well said, well said. His brother would always take the blame and you could see that he was learning and he's kind of maturing as the show go as the movie went on. And we clearly see why, um, and the, and the importance of that character development. But then the, you have that scene where he, he gets followed and they see him going into Paya Khan's mouth because you're, he's like, why are you, why are you outcasted? I want to know. And Pyakon's like, I have to show you. So he goes in and they like bond. They do that thing where they merge like their hairs, their hairs. And it's, it's kind of weird, but <laughs> it's, it's the way that they merge. So, um, what do they, what do they call it? You let him, it wasn't mate. It was, you let him join. You let him see you. No, no, I not the, you? I see you scene. It's like, you let him. Uh, no, I, what meld is that the word? something like that anyway so they were like they were appalled that he was allowed to do that with the outcast but then you find out that the outcast was actually a little um not a cub what do you call like a a a calf a calf that's mm-hmm. what you call uh that's children. what you call baby whales children whales uh children tulkun <laughs> <laughs> um that he actually basically saved his his uh or his, he watched his mom, Tulkun, get killed by the sky people, who mm-hmm. we find out later are hunting Tulkun and for a specific reason. And then he went with a bunch of other calves and Tulkun to basically try and kill the sky people. And he did not succeed. He basically got all of them killed and then was outcasted because going back to attack the sky people was not the Tulkun way. So that's why he was outcast, because... He was grieving his dead mother, basically. So. Yeah. I mean, we'll see later in the movie, he's like, well, screw it, I'm going to do it again. But Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I mean, he's already outcast. So yeah, point, right? He's got nothing do. to lose, right? Yeah. Um. So yeah, and then why are they hunting Tulkun? To stop human aging forever. Which is wild. <laughs> you get like the most really comparable to the scene of um, when the when they're burning the sky, people are burning the tree in the first movie. Mm-hmm. They're burning like the, the, the tree so that they can get at the reserve of the metal that they're trying to get. Right. Um, different MacGuffin this time. Yeah. So it's, it's really sad. It shows the whole, but it honestly, it's in a, in a sick way is almost spectacular to see how they've like got this down to a science, mm-hmm. how they can like take the mother away from her calves and, target the mother and then you get the really sad scene obviously that it shows how strong the Tulkun are but they will never fight back so these humans just take advantage of that mm-hmm. and they also kind of go to a point where it's like yeah they're even like more intelligent than us yeah I really so like that it's that when you're dialogue. attacking animals that have the, the exact same intelligence and are able to like convey emotions the same way you can so it's yeah. like it's, it's another sad. person really. and you definitely feel a lot of empathy and you start to feel again more anger towards the sky people and the plus antagonists. all they want is that one little tiny vial which is so frustrating because spider points out just like 
because he's a hunter is like, okay, yeah, we have to kill to survive. But like, look at all this meat that you have and you're just like throwing it away. Yeah, they, they sink them actually. Yeah. Except in this scenario, when they were teaching the colonel how to hunt, the colonel now is on like an absolute killing spree basically so he's going through the clans and spider is seeing the aggression of the colonel like he's lighting their camps on fire he's threatening to kill their people basically if they don't tell him where jake sully is and then later the water clan leader explains to jake that under his instruction they will never tell basically where jake is however jake knows that the colonel will not stop until he is found so the colonel has this great idea that they're going to hunt a tulkun, which is apparently a very sacred animal to the water clan. Mm-hmm. And they're going to leave, instead of sinking it after they're done killing it and extracting the the um, the fluids, which is quite a barbaric process. But anyways, um, they're going to just leave it floating there so that they know. With the bags that too, it was human made. Yeah. So that they know that it was the sky people. And this sets the water clan off they're like fired up and they're like let's go to war with them and jake sully's like no you do not want to go to war with them they will destroy you basically and you get this sequence where he's like we can fight back but in a protective way tell the tulkun that if they are marked with this tracker that they're marked for death so the water clan go off to tell basically the tulkun loak decides I need to tell Paya Khan because he's an outcast and he won't hear it from the rest of the Tolkun. Mm-hmm. And then, of course... He's marked for death already. We know that, that that was going to happen. <laughs> so they find Paya Khan, all the kids. Again, the kids are the center of the trouble again. And they find that Paya Khan is marked for death. Well, actually, when you think about it, if that didn't happen, events probably could have turned out completely differently. Yeah. If they needed to save um, Paya Pai Khan. Paya Khan, yeah. Paya Khan, yeah. yeah. Very good, yeah. No, it's... So they finally managed to get it out, but you can tell now that the basically the the sky people are there and they're ready to hunt. They've released everyone. And now the kids are are running away, but then the colonel sees that the kids are there and he clearly recognizes that they're Jake Sully's kids because they look way different from the water (laughs) clan people. Um, And he thinks he's hit the absolute jackpot. And that's when the kids radio in to Jake Sully and the water clan and then the battle that we've been waiting for begins. And boy, did it deliver. Yeah, there was a certain scene that you, like, you literally gasped for like a solid 30 seconds looking back and forth at me and the screen. Yeah, that was outrageous. <laughs> so obviously, like, Paya Khan comes out and like the kids are captured and Jake the, colonel, gonna, uses, the yeah. colonel uses it to try and get Jake away from the water clan and says, hey, we will basically kill your kids if you do not come by yourself to this boat. Basically a suicide mission. Yep, 100%. 100%. So the, Jake convinces the water clan people to stay back, like the army to stay back while he goes by himself. And then out of nowhere, Payakon shows up and like flops his giant Tolkun body on top of this boat where all the kids are being held and just wreaks havoc and then all the kids are basically like able to escape and the battle just ensues from there it's almost like the a lot of stuff happens it's like the scene have you seen twilight breaking dawn part two i haven't damn so there's a scene where like the two groups of vampires are like about to attack each other and the one vampire on that one side run jumps over to talk to talk to the other uh um 
to the other group of vampires to kind of negotiate so they don't have to go into battle. And then he basically like he rips the head off of one of them and it just starts the battle. And that's basically the equivalent of what happened is like Pyakon shows up and it's like, okay, battle time. But yes, the scene that had everyone's jaws dropped is when the like harpoons that they were shooting at the Tulkun and get, the main hunter, the main hunter guy, it gets like, he's clearly an asshole. You can tell he doesn't care at all about these whales. And the scientist that he has with him is only there because he's making money, but he has a clearly a greater respect for the creatures. And this hunter thinks that he is smarter than the Tulkun. They're not smarter than he is. And the scientists, they have a little bit of banter between the two of them all the time. And, the scientist says the the line of like oh they still think you're the smart one or something yeah, like yeah. that and then you can see Pyacon is just wreaking havoc on the ship now so he manages to basically deflect the harpoon and then now controls where the harpoon cable which is this giant thick metal cable imagine like what um gondolas are on or uh chairlifts at ski resorts like just a thick metal cable and he wraps, Pyakon wraps this cable around this boat, and this boat is just done. It's completely done for. Being and crunched. The, yeah. And the hunter gets his arm caught against part of the boat, and he gets, like, his upper arm caught, and it's, like, on the cable. And you already, when it gets caught on there and he's tied, he's up, tied up against it, you're like, oh, he's toast. Like, there's no possible way. It happens way that so that, fast, too, like, when yeah. you see the arm get stuck. Yeah. It, it, there's no possible way, and that's got to hurt. Like, you're already cringing at that moment. And the next thing you know, the cable busts through, and you just see the hunter flying through the air, and right next to him... His entire arm, severed arm, is just flying through the air. And you cannot help but like have your jaw drop at that moment. Yeah, he died. It was like <laughs> it was a spectacular way to like kill him and make a statement. It was it was incredible. But yeah, so obviously you have what else was really good about that battle? That battle had everything you could possibly think of. The kids escape from being tied up and then immediately get tied up again. And then immediately <laughs> get caught again. And then you have Took's famous scene, where she, uh, famous line, where she's like, oh no, I'm tied up again. <laughs> or no, I can't believe I got caught again. Or Something I can't like believe that, I'm tied yeah. up again. Um, so yeah, and then basically... The sons decide to go back for the kids because the sons are not caught. The girls are the ones that got caught. Mm -hmm. And the sons decide to go back because they want to save the kids. And Spider. And Spider. Spider goes back with them as well. At this point, Spider has escaped because the main ship is like sinking Titanic style. Yeah, they got bigger bigger priorities than one hostage to deal with. Yeah, exactly. So um, Spider escapes, gets back reunited with Loak and Nateam. And then Nateam, the older brother... Reluctantly agrees to go back with Loak. Uh, and all this time, Jake is like fighting Neytiri or fighting the Colonel. And just it, it's just a, a like flaming battle, basically, at this point. Now, one question I do have, though. Where did the Water Clan people go after? Because like it just seemed like it was just Jake's family left. The like end. they just didn't care anymore. Like they just ditched. <laughs> like. Well, there was just the daughter, um, but she was staying with, I think she stayed with the older brother, but we'll get to that later. Yeah. It's just like, I don't know. I just, I found it weird that the water clan just like fled. I guess they thought everything was fine. Everything was not fine. (laughs) 
I don't know, but I guess I guess they thought like the battle well, was actually, won or something. Actually, the ship they did isolate the ship because there was fire. There was a fire that started, and there's I think oil around the entire ship, so it was like covered in a ring of fire, so no one can really get in and out. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that could I be. Think about that it. could be it. Yeah. yeah. So then, obviously, the the two sons go go back. They get onto the ship. They save the girls. The colonel and his crew do are very reluctant to let them take the girls, basically. And they are fighting back and manage to get away, it seems like. And Nateam picks up a gun, shoots it. There's a scene where he shoots it and you get that aspect because he's like he's fighting kind of like his father, like Jake Sully, because he uses the gun and the and the um, and the Navi weapons. Mm -hmm. And then he jumps into the water and you just feel something's off. Yeah, I had a feeling he got shot. You, you had you, a feeling. You, the way that he, they he was, sprayed he, before he jumped, the sprayed their fire before he went yeah, into the Yeah, and water. then plus, like, he was, like, lagging behind the other yeah. Loak and Spider. Yeah. So, it's clear that he's been shot. They pull him to safety, and just in time for Jake and Natiri to show up. And watch them die. They watch their son, Natam, die in, like, the most tragic way possible. And I will say, though... Natiri's screams are very like there's a lot of emotion attached to them. I feel like they are very primal. Like they're it feels, very, it feels very alien. They're very, very primal. I have one complaint about my movie experience, and it has nothing to do with the movie or the writing. It was the two girls behind me that every time Natiri screamed burst out laughing and would kick my seat. And it was really affecting my movie experience. So don't be those people, please. Try and hold it in because it's an extremely emotional part. And you're going to sit there and like laugh. And then worse, I don't care. Actually, you can laugh if you want. It's everyone's experience. Don't kick my seat. Yeah. <laughs> really ruins my Being experience. Being touched and moved around just like during an emotional scene is not very. No, it, it snaps you out of that experience and it really pulls you away, which sucks. But anyways. Or if they're talking really loud next to you. Oh, God. During Rise of Skywalker, I remember some person. I don't know if you remember, but there was a guy. That's, you're on the other side of me, but there's a guy that I had been stuck sitting next to. was basically like, not, like saying, predicting what they're going to say next. Oh, and so half God. the time he was right, half the time he was wrong, but either way, it was oh, really that's annoying. Just a, that's a terrible thing to do. Why? Why? Just wait till you watch it at home and do whatever you want at home. Anyways, side rant, but very emotional scene. And then clearly they're pissed off and they're like, let's basically go get revenge, more or less. Well, no. Why did they go back? There was one, there was one other. Did they keep Took? Who did they have? I think. Well, because they had to have, they might have had Kiri. I think they had Kiri because it was at the moment where the Miles had, or I guess the Colonel yep. <laughs> had Kiri. I think it was Kiri. And Natiri had Miles and they're like doing that trip. Yeah, what so. a scene. So they, for some reason, after Natam dies, they still need to go back because one of the kids apparently is still there and captured. I can't remember if it was Kiri or Took. I think I, it was Kiri. I, I feel like it won't be Took. I think it was Kiri. I think you're right. So, um, Basically, they go back and you get this standoff scene because it's clearly like, okay, this isn't going to be a battle. It's going to be a trade-off. It's like your kid for, or sorry, you, Jake Sully, for this kid. And then out of nowhere, Natiri grabs Spider and is like a, a son for a son, basically. A child for, well, it can't be a son for a son. No, because he killed. Well, he Kiri's killed, a girl, though. 
No, but her exact line was a son for a son because it was then, yeah because then, then, because the colonel killed Nateam, so she was saying I'll kill oh, your I, son because you, you killed my I, son. For whatever reason, my mind was like the trade because yep. it's a daughter for a son. Well, anyway, and yeah, I'm getting way too hung up on the technical grammar of it. Anyway, it's fine, <laughs> it's fine. So we're good. Basically, there's a big standoff scene here, and you get the power because the colonel tries to bluff. And he's like, what? I don't care about him. He's not even mine. I'm just a clone, basically. Do what you want with him. And then Neytiri calls his bluff and cuts his throat. Not slits his throat like dead, but like definitely leaves a decent cut. It was cut right across the Uh neck. Cut right across the neck. And then is about to stab him in the chest after slicing the neck basically but not slitting the throat i swear to god it was he's she sliced his chest a little bit okay maybe i might be wrong it could be one of the two she did some damage and then she threatened to stab him and kill him basically and at the last minute the colonel's like no it's fine and releases the the kid and is like please don't basically and you can and that is the moment i think that you're talking about earlier that you empathize with the colonel Mm. and it sucks yeah but you do and then they're kind of like they won at this point but the colonel then makes a point. Okay, we lost, but I'm still alive, and I'm still gonna keep hunting you. He not just that. I'm never gonna yeah. stop coming for you. Because I guess when you think about it, if he dies, he's also got more backups. I don't know how the backup works. If it's like a one-time thing, they like can do it. That's once, what I was wondering or too. If they keep, keep pumping him out. That's what I, I was. Know. That's what I was wondering too. Can they just continue to clone him over and over and over again? Because if they can, that's really shitty. But and it, I don't know. I feel like it would just be too lazy of a plot device. Too lazy. It'd just be lazy. like, oh, it doesn't matter. And then the only way to kill him, we have to like, hey, we have to go infiltrate the earth, uh, <laughs> it, it, wherever the, it has the, to the be, thing is and kill it. There has to be it. some kind of difficulty to make avatars. Like it can't be like something that's just really easy to do. Like there has to be really well, difficult. Well, I mean, it's like a file or a thing at the upload. So I imagine this, like human bar brain is probably the most complex like set of data ever. Oh, I have so, it. So like. I know, I know exactly. I know exactly what's happening. The reason why there was such a long gap between the first movie and the second movie is because they don't just spawn avatars. They have to grow the avatar in the body. So if they want another kernel, they have to grow another kernel. They they said it's from Earth. So they got to fly that thing all the way to Pandora. So going to take a long time. Going to take a long time. So even if the kernel basically dies, they can't clone him right away. It's going to take at least another... 17 years. Yeah. (laughs) 15 minimum, I would say. So... Basically, you have a bit of a standoff there. And Jake Sully in Jake Sully fashion says, okay, let's do this then. And then- That was like one of, I, yeah, one of the, like he says it like in a very like calm way. Yeah. I, I really like that line. It's just because it just- Because you feel just, like he's, you feel like he's about to to, to leave, mm-hmm. but then he realizes that it's basically, it's now or never. This has to like, end here. I think, I think he's like, let's get it on then or something. Like let's get it on. Yeah. 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 Let's get it on. And, and then just was, uh, from like severe kind of calmness, okay, to boom, full on battle mode yeah yeah just absolute deadly and that battle had everything knife fights back and forth combat underwater upside down because the ship is sinking it was hand-to-hand combat you had this brazilian jujitsu style where they're getting holds on each other and it was underwater it was insane and then finally jake sully when he's in an arm bar manages to weasel out and get the colonel into a chokehold and appears to win completely takes out the the colonel, uh, colonel passes out, sinks to the bottom. Jake Sully pushes him down. Now they're trapped in the ship that is sinking. Very again, very Titanic style, right? So the kids go back to try and save their parents, basically. 
Um, and you have obviously Kiri uses Awa to basically save Neytiri and, uh, and, uh, was it Tuke? Yep. It was Tuke Tuke. with Neytiri. Yeah. So then, and then, and then Loak is, and Spider are looking for Jake Sully because they know he's in there somewhere. Spider appears to have found Jake Sully, but no, it's not Jake Sully. It's the Colonel. And he's like, shit. So then he's like, he's about to turn around and go continue looking for Jake Sully. And then something, for some reason, takes over him. And he's like, I can't let this guy die. So he just grabs the Colonel, pulls the tab on his life jacket and goes to the surface and saves the Colonel. The thing is, it's like, it's kind of his father and he spent the entire movie pretty much like getting to know him, even though he was did terrible things. But at the end of the day, it's your, the cur- the Colonel did like save his life. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. He even though, him. even though, I mean, it was, a, it was probably wasn't going to kill him, but I don't know, man. Really? I genuinely don't. Know. I don't she think she was in such a primal mode that I think she would have done it you, uh, at the same time. Like her kids it's not would hers. hate her mom. They're like if for killing their friend. Yeah, but at, at that moment, I guess we'll never know. But she was seeing red, I think, and she was willing to do anything it takes to save her own children, even if that means sacrificing one that's not hers. And but yes, you're right. Spider's like he saved my life. I got to save his life, kind of thing. Eye for an eye situation. Um, and then obviously Loak finds Jake Sully, teaches him the same way. Um, that the water clan daughter was teaching him how to breathe, calm his thoughts, slow his heart. I really liked that scene too. I thought it was really, really well done because it, it, it again shows the maturity. For, Cause like actually right before that, when his older brother died and Loak, I don't know, wanted, I think wanted to help or something like that. Jake take on the Colonel or something like oh, that. Yeah. And then he's like, you've done enough. No, you've done enough. Oh, I got goosebumps when you said that. Yeah. So it, it really, you're right. It pays off and it shows that, he's matured through this entire process. It's, it's allowed him to grow and he's gained that accountability and that maturity that will be needed clearly in the future films. And then obviously the Colonel wakes up and it sets up, he, he asks spider to come with him and spider hisses at him in primal feral fashion and jumps into the water and goes away. Mm. But it definitely sets up that the Colonel is obviously going to continue to be the main villain in the next movie. And then at this part, I was trying not to throw up, (laughs) at this point this is the throw up scene yeah okay so then you've got the the basically not much left the morning the funeral funeral. uh for nateam and then oh Um, we didn't talk about the soul plant underneath the water that kiri attached to and then like had her epileptic seizure because that's how the colonel actually found found out out where they they were yeah because they brought uh what's his norm 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 thank you they Those names Norm. are easy to remember. Yes, yeah, the human names. So they brought Norm in, and basically, uh, the the colonel saw that there was like an X wing or Q wing. X wing. What are they is called? It? What are those ships called? Let's call them ships. There was a ship that basically went and disappeared near the water clan territory, and they have a general location. So that's how he found it. But basically, then you got Natiri and Jake Sully attaching to the soul plant underwater to have one last moment with their son and it was beautiful and well done mm. and a bit of a payoff and also at that i mean it was actually kind of more uh going back but this kind of confirms as jake says it his character development through the movie his journey had he corrected his flaw yeah because at the beginning when the colonel came in after the enticing incident it was hey we got to run 
to protect people, we got to like run away from our, the conflict and hide. Whereas now he's like, no, this is our home. And, and we're going to fight, fight for, for it. it. Yeah. And you That's get goosebumps and you realize that mm-hmm. it, it, it's about to go down. He basically. realized that moment before fighting the colonel, but this, it just kind of like helps reaffirms it and what's his new viewpoint is going forward. Yeah. And they're basically, I'm assuming going to unite the clans and try to take on the sky people. Yeah. Might see other kind of, I don't know, lava clans or something. Yeah. Like I, th- I think it's going to be cool. I think it's going to be cool. Cause we've only seen there. forest in the first movie. We've seen water. Now there's gotta be other clans. Like you said on desert Navi, I don't know, whatever different kind of climates are something, but it's Arctic Navi. Arctic. I think there could be Arctic. You're right. It could be a cold scene, like a very Hoth style uh, moment. But yeah, or something I, completely different. Some other. He makes his own biome. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> their own. Their own. Uh, their own season that doesn't exist on Earth, but it exists. That on would Pandora. make sense. Maybe it's like it's raining, raining lava in certain parts of the <laughs> raining fire. Um, so yeah, basically, overall, I thought it was absolutely phenomenal. It's so so hard. If you ask me to pick between the first and the second i genuinely would say you could easily flip a coin because i, I still can't decide i still can't How decide for me it kind of it's hard like i know that for me that the middle does kind of lag for me in the second one but i like the climax more of this one over the first one so it's kind of like a give or take it's it's so important the middle too and i think i think i instead of feeling like a lag in the story i took the time to really appreci- appreciate the the CGI and the special effects. And that really, really made a difference to the movie experience because it was like, okay, this isn't a lull. It's a, wow, this is breathtaking, especially seeing that it's like kind of vacation style. And like you said, like the quality of the, mm-hmm. the water and the, the, the scenes and the, it was, it was, and the landscape, it was just gorgeous. But anyways, I feel like we've talked enough and this is a pretty long, long episode, long <laughs> episode and it's review, a long movie, but it's a very long movie. We just had to review a three hour and 10 minute movie. So I, I genuinely say I will go out and watch it again at least once, if not twice. Um, it, it was so, so worth it. And, and I think James Cameron did an amazing job and I cannot wait for what they do with Avatar three. Also a little fun fact about Avatar three before we get into the full conclusion. Mitchell, what did you tell me earlier? Well, there's this rumor going around. I honestly, to be perfectly honest with you, I don't think it's hundred percent true because there's no way this could be done. But James Cameron has a nine hour cut of Avatar three. He's going to trim it down to three hours because obviously you can't throw a nine nine hour movie in a cinema. Nine hours. But he's apparently said that he wants all the visual effects done before he starts trimming the movie down, which means the studio Disney would have to spend hundreds of millions of dollars for footage that isn't going to be used in a final cut, like six hours of footage. So let's, there's let, no way that's going to no, happen. So let's, let's say it costs a hundred million dollars to an hour. No, Actually, that hour. might be a bit much. Let's, let's just, let's just compare. For example, let's say it costs a hundred million dollars to do the filming, the, the, a full avatar movie, CGI, all that. Yeah. So they're going to spend three times that because three hour cut to nine hours, nine hours of footage. They're going to spend three times that, 300 million, and then 200 million of it, you know, is just straight garbage. It's going in the trash, mm-hmm. never used again. I, I can't see that happening. But it's a terrible knows? business decision. Terrible <laughs> business strategy. But who knows? I mean, like, I mean, with maybe what it's done, like, maybe the truth to it is like, oh, we want it like previs visual effects yeah. done, which is like the mocap on a model and it's just 
but not full movie ready. No, no, no. I can't imagine that. That would be like that's what the rumor was stating, which kind of makes me think that it's not true. <laughs> There's no way. Wild. Well, we'll throw this as a piece of micro micro content as well. We'll see what okay. you guys think on social media and everything. But other than that, thanks for listening. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we didn't spoil the movie for you. <laughs> well, I think <laughs> they would they would they would have stopped probably. Hopefully like, you stopped. Yeah. Hopefully you stopped listening. Um, but uh, hopefully you also enjoyed our play-by-play of everything that happened. I think that's everything. Uh, everything if, that was important If we missed us. anything, leave some comments. But that's that's what we remember. If you got any theories, too, we'd love to chat about this, especially right now. Mm-hmm. But other than that, thanks for watching the special episode of uh, Back to the Scene. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. And that is a wrap on this episode of Back to the Scene. Thanks for listening. It would mean the world to us if you left us a review on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you're listening. And if you guys want to reach out for anything, whether it's questions or ideas for the show, please make sure to hit us up. We'll have the email and all our socials in the description of this podcast.